Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't donut picnic. Hey everybody, my name is Jason Mudd. I am your host and facilitator here at the Donut Picnic Podcast. This is the real talk about being the boss. We would like to highlight some of the challenges that business owners face and some of the awesome things that we get to go through to do the things that let other people do their passions. It's not always sunshine and rainbows in the business owning world. And we're here to highlight and let people know because you don't know what you don't know. So thank you for listening. Check out DonutPicnic.com for more and follow us on the socials at Donut Picnic. Thank you. Enjoy. Hey everybody, my name is Jason Mudd. I am sitting down today with Letitia Klein. We are on the Donut Picnic podcast. And uh, hey Letitia, how's it going? It's going great. I, I met you a long time ago through road races, through motorcycle races. Yeah. And, and some of the best people that I've ever met have been through uh, through racing. But give me a little bit of background. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, God, it's hard to kind of sum it up in one because I'm a type of person that just says yes to everything. I love and... that. I love that. <laughs> I uh, come from a background in motorcycle racing. I, you know, d- dirt and, and was an MC for Superbike and and uh, GNCC and motocross, Supercross, and all that for a long time. And then I started flat track racing. So I was a female hooligan flat track racer for Harley Davidson. Uh-huh. And, and then I became kind of an influencer in the industry and worked with a lot of brands and motorcycle companies to develop uh, larger displacement bikes with smaller seat heights for to get women in the saddle and um and then uh so yeah i worked on that for a while used my bikes as a tool to inspire people so i rode about forty thousand miles a year on my bikes going everywhere across the country yeah, and that's really cool yeah yeah so it's fun and, and then i transitioned you know i had this crazy accident where i had a buffalo charge and hit me while i was riding my bike in south dakota kind of shredded my knee had surgery from that, made a comeback, went to Thailand, was riding, and then had another accident, started my knee again. And, uh, you know, at this point... You were like in a hospital in Thailand or something. Yeah, 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 which was an amazing hospital, by the way. Oh, I'm sure sure it was. (laughs) It's unbelievable, their medical system over there. And, uh, yeah, I stayed in a month because I broke ribs and stuff like that, but not bad. Like, I just, uh, I still got around. I just couldn't fly. And so I, I came back to Kentucky... Um, which is where I'm from, born and raised. I uh, came back like two years ago, and it was a hard transition. You know, when you have a life that's like fast paced, go, 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 big cities, and exposed to a lot of things culture, religion, everything, and you come back to something that's 2,200 people, you know, you, you kind of feel suffocated. And I, I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I was like, you know what, if I'm going to stick around here, I'm going to make something to do. And so that's kind of what I started doing created a free community motorcycle garage. Uh, bought a couple of historic buildings downtown and just opened up a bar and in the process of opening up a cafe and Airbnbs. So. Man, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're around. You know, something that, that's interesting that I think is such a wonderful thing. You know, we, we're doing this podcast here in, in Louisville at, uh, at our co-working space, that's working. And, and Louisville is a unique city in that you have a lot of people that have left and gone to some really cool places and learned things about the world and then come back here. Yeah. And, and then injected a lot of that awareness and knowledge into a community that could be seen as a bit of an echo chamber at times. And I think, you know, small town America, anywhere you go, has a lot of elements of that because you don't know what you don't know. And the mm-hmm. world's a pretty damn big place. It is, but you know what? They come when people people don't come back to small towns. You know, that's the thing. Actually, there's a great book called Hollowing Out the Middle, and it talks about how to save small town America. And what saves it? You know, you've got your leavers, your stayers, and your or your the leavers, the stayers, and the returners. And the returners are the people that actually make change and keep the community alive because they take that knowledge and they bring it back with them and you know a lot of times we groom our elite in small towns to go be a doctor and a lawyer somewhere else go to college go away make something of your life but basically we don't have doctors and lawyers left when ours die you know and and then the other ones that return a lot of those are military which is crazy because 60 percent of our military comes from towns 5,000 or less and we need those people in our towns and so people don't really think about that side of what uh-uh, the no. small town and the decline of a small town and you know what else saves a small town is immigrants and I know that people may that may start controversy here but no one dreams the American dream bigger than an immigrant no they, they you know what controversy is one of the best things that, mm-hmm. and, and there are 
there are so many poor and false opinions uh, about immigrants and and you know the the media sensationalizes all the bad things that mm-hmm. that that anybody does and, mm-hmm. and so you know that that's all that you see you know and 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 unfortunately you're absolutely right because so many things there is nobody that dreams the american dream bigger than, than an immigrant bigger yeah. than somebody that has way less than than you comes from and knows way less yeah well they and, want to be here well they want to be here and you know we we have a cushy life. Well, all, yeah. all you know, anybody that, that would be listening to a podcast on something, mm-hmm. life is pretty damn easy. I don't care really what your struggles are. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you don't have struggles. Everybody has struggles. It's all relative. Mm-hmm. But we're not we're not worried about survival. You know, we're right. worrying about that that one that half percent. You know, mm-hmm. at that point, we get so ate up on some of the dumbest shit. I agree. Um, but you know, going back to like the. The, the stayers, the goers, the returners. You know, I've, been, I've said for a long time that's one of the things why Louisville is such a great place for, because for some reason, something has made people come back to the city. And yeah. and we've had that for a long time. I've always wondered, like, what is it that makes people come back here? And, and is, it, is it enough people that, like, stay in your life and stay behind that you want to go back to that at some point is... I don't really understand it. But, but you're absolutely right. That, yeah. That's what increases and expands any area and you you know there has to be something that draws those people back you know um i went down i went down and checked out your bar that i did mm-hmm. the other day uh the place was packed it was beautiful and <laughs> when i walked in you know sitting at the bar i met two or three people that and i had no expectation of this but that were like I, i'm in the hip business there was a guy there that was a that was a pretty big dude in the hip business oh yeah and and uh and he lives in kc and yeah. and uh yeah, you can meet, you know, there are cool people everywhere. And right, but those people didn't meet until I created a space for them to well, meet. Well, no, 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 right, exactly. Yeah. You've got, you got to have something that brings those people together. Yeah. Because you know? otherwise you just sit at your house and think that nothing else is going on. Right. So it does take a catalyst. It takes that that third party. Um, well, revitalization of a downtown area really starts with nightlife. It boosts the economy. And, and nightlife doesn't necessarily have to mean a bar or nightclub. It can mean like an escape room or something. Like something to do at night. And then usually what happens is next thing, little boutique shops start coming in. Then rental properties come in. And then usually those things that come up and grow, like the rental properties, push out the bars and the nightlife right. because it's too noisy. But right. that's okay because that's what you want. Essentially, you want to build up that downtown area. And that's already started with us. I mean, it took us 75 days to build that bar because we just busted our asses. And then we were like, we got to have something to do. And, and really that came from support of the community too. Like they really wanted something to do also. So we just had a ton of help. And, uh, and then next thing, you know, we've been open for three weeks and like the building beside us, we've got a really great restaurant looking at coming in there, a tattoo parlor down, down the street, another restaurant down the street, restaurant bar. And I was like, this would be great if we could bar hop on this little bitty road in Mammoth Cape. And what's crazy about it and what people haven't even thought of or even really focused on, you know, we focused on tourism for a long time and tourism is great, but let's get those people wanting to tell their friends to come here or to stay longer or to move here. And, and yeah, go spend a weekend. Don't just don't just pass in the stop three or spend right. a weekend. Then then get a vacation home. Then yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, Six hundred thousand people come to Cave City every year. Seventy thousand people a month stop off that exit just to get gas or food in between Louisville and Nashville. Right. And we're not, you know, capturing that audience. And and the other thing is too, you know, young people is what it takes to make change and and to do things. And we've got a lot of young people come up and coming now, but. Here's the other thing. I mean, you can buy a building downtown, a historic building for $35,000. And there are young people with people in Brooklyn that pay that, you know, in a, co- a few months in rent. Oh they could come and buy a building, start an art studio or whatever it is in little towns like this. You right. Know? And uh, so it takes like a, it's like a huge effort. You know, the government has to get behind it. The government has to add, like our local politics needs to do incentives and and uh, tax breaks and payroll breaks. And, and we have the ability to do that. You know, I've really worked with the city. That's the other thing. Aside from just opening businesses, it's like I work with the city for strategic planning and bringing in investors, showing them around and then offering incentives for them too. You know, there has to be somebody that, that steps up and, and takes the initiative to do something like that. You know, people, we we always, I hear people all the time bitch and complain about stuff that's not around. And then when 
when it's referenced about who's going to accomplish something, there's always a they. Yeah. They're going to do something. Right. They're going to do it. And I always wonder, who is this they? <laughs> and, and the they is we. You know, yeah. There, there is no, there is no, in reality, there's nobody that's looking out for the best interests of anybody else mm-hmm. but anybody else. Right. I mean, you got to look out for yourself and you got to have, you know, your vision of, you got to be able to inject your vision in the community. Otherwise, be proactive. somebody will. Yeah. You know, so, somebody will. And it's probably somebody that's not going to do it for the best. You right. Know? Um, so I think that, that, you know, it's really cool. And, and that idea of being able to, you know, buy property like that. A lot of people just don't know that. You know, That's there's a thing. lot of money that's sitting around and and just doing nothing. And people people see things and they just assume that something's just so astronomically expensive right. or just so unattainable. And if you ask a couple questions, mm-hmm. you can you can really get a lot of places. Right. Know? And people didn't know that. I mean, we have a grant program since 1978 in our in our town because it's we are tours in town so we we tax things a little heavier, but that goes into a grant. Well, no one accesses that grant. Well, no one knew about that grant. And that's partially part of the city's fault for not putting that out there. Well, I've definitely told every business. I went around and was like, did you know you could get a grant for that sign? Did you know you could get a grant for your advertising? You could, yeah. Because why not? We no. need, yeah, and that's that only boosts more money back into that grant because right. tax dollars being spent, it, it's full circle. It just benefits right. everybody. So it's not like we lose money on that. We all make money in the end. And, and so letting people know these things, but like what we talked about earlier, having an environment where people can come together and feel inspired, talk to each other. That's the whole reason why we created that dive space is because we wanted to be welcoming to everybody, which mm-hmm. is kind of what a dive bar is. And I love looking and seeing like 80 year old women dropping like it's hot in the corner, dancing mm-hmm. to the DJ and like some young crew coming in there, some like redneck God literally dressed head to toe rebel flag and like whatever, but they're all talking. And then too, the bar is all full of history, Kentucky history and local history. It's in the bar top, it's in the surrounding area, it's in the building. And uh, so no one's on their phone there. And they literally are looking at the history and they're talking about, oh my God, can you imagine, look at Green River the way it used to be. Or like, mm-hmm. and the one guy's like, I used to work on the ferry boat. And this young kid's like, no way. Like how many times have you been around the, like, did you know the guy that rides the ferry in Mammoth Cave has been around the earth three times? No. Going back and forth in like less no, than a quarter of a mile. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Wow. Just weird stuff like that. And, and so people get inspired and like, they start talking about how they can work together and, and, uh, and then, yeah, maybe I just, I know that something good's going to come out of it. And that's really the whole idea of the bar. It's not, cause you're not going to get rich only one bar. And, uh, no, you know, I, you know, that <laughs> restaurants and bars and shit. I mean, it, it's, that's a hard business. That's a real hard business to be. Yeah. In. I work like eight, 17 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, the people who do it are people that love it. And, and, uh, the guy right next door, uh, uh, there's this pizza bar over here called Wix. And, yeah. And, uh. Mike Wycliffe is is out every morning blowing the sidewalk and, yeah. and sweeping the sidewalk and because he loves his neighborhood he loves yeah. you know what that how that brings people together and and uh, you know ideas everything starts as an idea everything yeah. starts as a thought and and it's put into practice through action yeah and you know especially the small town. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of family that, uh, my family's from uh, from Hazard, from Manchester, from Eastern Kentucky. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's an area that, that was a coal and tobacco mm-hmm. town forever. And, and, you know, when that went away, you know, a lot of a lot of people's hope kind of, you know, they, I, I hate this mentality of like, it, you know, people's hope goes away. But it, it only kind of goes away because you're isolated and you're, right. you're, you don't have the ideas to do anything. And, yeah. And then that's a, that's a vicious cycle because mm-hmm. it, it just feeds, it, it feeds itself. But you you inject some other perspective and, and things. I just think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's an absolutely wonderful. Thing. And then you've gotten into it, and you're, you haven't just opened businesses, but you're you're getting into public public government and public poli- yeah. you, you know politics. And politics has such a dirty word to it. But yeah. If you break it down, politics. The definition of politics is just someone who's interested in public policy. Right. It's somebody who wants to wants to affect the public change you know, right hopefully for the good yeah um but it's not about fighting it's not about, right. not about parties it's not about any of that crap yeah and 
And again, just another way that we've kind of muddied the water so much of something that really is pretty innocent and pretty good. True. I mean, I, you're, there's politics in every single thing we do. In, every, in our Only in because our we fucked up the world. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. You're absolutely right. And you know, the thing with small that government... That politics that you're talking about, that's just, that's just bickering. Yeah. That's all that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. And that's the big problem. But... Yeah, with the, you know, originally I had a goal to run for a higher office, uh, but then, you know, I really love my community and kept saying, well, why would I want to go and do state rep or anything like that when I can just make change in my area? And and uh, so that's what my goal is to, to eventually become mayor of Cave City and uh, definitely run for city council first. And the reason why I want to do that, and the reason why I didn't do it before, well, aside from the fact I didn't have a city uh, address long enough, but I thought, you know what, I don't need the government, I'll just make change on my own, which is kind of what I'm already doing. And then I said, you know, I do need to know the inside track because the problem with small town government is they become lazy, complacent, and a little bit corrupt. And so I have to be in that good old boy system to really, really play the game and do it right for the people. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm just kind of gotten tired of, of it so far, you know, I want to take care, take care of the community, stop finding people for, uh, that are trying to have a business and find, get fines to people that literally should be fined and are ruining our community. And, and, and the reason why that hasn't been done is because, you know, friendships are a long time can, you know, I don't have that here. Mm -hmm. I'm born and raised there, but I'm I'm in no one's pocket, Mm -hmm. which is what my goal is to always be. I don't Mm -hmm. owe anyone anything, so I don't have to feel obligated to anything. Mm -hmm. And it's just to take care of, of people in the long run. And, you know, and a lot of people too, you know, the thing with complacency is like people don't want it to grow because, they're just fine with the way it is. But if they own property there, then I'm, I always say, well, do you want your property to be worth something? Yes. Okay, well, let me make it worth something. Let me, if I build this town up, it's just gonna increase in value. Mm-hmm. You can sell it, retire, like whatever you wanna do. And so yeah, government seems to be the way to go. Uh, just the natural progression of what I'm doing, really. Well, I mean, you, you know, you, you are, I, I think you're an advocate, you know, at, at heart and, and interesting about you know you reference you know the game you you've got to be a you know because you're we're all playing a game whether we acknowledge it or yeah. not and and you have to acknowledge and be aware that you're in a game yeah and start playing the game to learn the game right you have to do all that stuff before you can ever change the game or have any type of a right. of, of a redirect on it because you know just like anything else and like you said you know people get lazy um, rules and interpretation get all mucked up over mm-hmm. time and because people are lazy they don't question it and then that makes it yeah. like a slippery slope I mean if, it, if it's if this is a little bit okay and now we're all on board with it being okay now we just shift a little bit more and, and yeah. pretty soon we're not at all doing what we were no it's like the curse of a non-profit you know, a, yeah. you know a, a charity or non-profit a lot of times gets started with the the goal of scratching an itch because you're passionate about something right but Eventually, that person who led that, well, they 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 die, they retire, they do right. something, and and the organization continues on. But that second person doesn't have that same passion, and mm-hmm. and then now you're now now you're just you're working to pay a nut every month because you're right not, and, and yeah, that's not you know who knows what we're doing now. Right. Well, we have councilmen that have been sitting on council for twenty two years, which is insane to me. I think term limits is what we need, and after a while, here's my thought process: you make fifty dollars a month being a city council member in Cave City, it Kentucky. Be, well, it should be. You're tough. setting you're setting on council because you love it or because you're corrupt because no one's doing it for $50 a month no. and dealing with the complaints which you get crazy complaints you get great complaints sure. from the from the community you're not you're there's wrong reasons so for someone to sell it for that long there's not anything good that's coming from it and and so you know big thing is to really inspire the community to, to run for council and to get newer people in there and uh, because it you know it takes a council and it takes a mayor to to really bring changes to it but too you know we're our bandwidth you know having we have people that have the ability to apply for grants which we should have been applying for a long time ago mm-hmm. for our fire departments for our parks for our historic section and, and no one's really doing that so um 
I'm doing that on my own now <laughs> for, you know, just because why not? I don't really need the government to do it, but yeah. Anyway, well, I, uh, you know, the, those sort of funny, you know, the, those sort of funds are allocated for a reason. And, and, you know, if, and the funny thing about government funding and stuff like that, if, you know, if those funds aren't used, then they're not allocated the next year. And, right. And so it's funny how stuff gets used every year and nobody right. uses it. It's like, where does this stuff go? Where and, does it go? And, and, you know, yeah, we can fall back on that. Well, if we don't use it, we're not going to get it next year. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, then, but you're not, but then nobody's telling anybody about how to get it. And, and so right. now, you know, now you've kind of followed money and, and right. you figure out where, what's just going on. And, and you know what? Cool, whatever. Let's just change it now. Let's just yeah. do it. You know, I don't give a shit about what happened yesterday. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, that's what people get scared about. Yeah. Worried about, but yeah. really, we just got to fix it. And uh, mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Do you, you know something? You, a resource for you know, you're probably doing this kind of osmosis, but like a resource for people to be able to connect with stuff like that better in a small town. I don't know if there's anything like that. Um, to connect with grant programs and things like that. Well, no, it's just basically me going around telling people, but we, I would love to put in a resource center that helps with everything as far as that goes. So it's literally like career placement, GED training, you know, like a, 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 like a psychological wellness center. Because uh, here's another thing that most people don't think of. The depression rate in small towns is way higher than anywhere else because not because it's just small, but because there's lack of uh, outlets to go to to get help. I mean, we don't have a psychiatrist, psychologist, counseling center, drug rehab center, oh. nothing. So you have to drive really far to get to those places. And, you know, having a one-stop shop that kind of is like a rescue center would be great for a town like mine. So a town like mine is, uh, you know, we had a, a pretty bad opioid addiction rate in, in uh, you know, alcohol rate too. And then that's why people kind of fought because we've only been wet for a few years now mm -hmm. and a lot of people kind of fought that. But what they don't realize is that people are always going to drink. They're just going to drive farther to do it. it. Yeah. yeah, they're going to drive farther to do it. And as a matter of fact, like alcohol related accidents go down in towns that are wet than towns that are dry. Mm -hmm. And uh, and crime rate, opioid addiction goes down when you're bored. There, what else are you going to do? When you're in despair and you, you're depressed about your life, it's easy to become addicted. But when you have other outlets or other ways to make an income, then you're not going to go down that path as easy, you know? So, 100%. yeah. Plus, too, I mean, 5% of all my taxes on alcohol goes to my police department and fire department. That gives them more staff, more cars. That means more presence. That means those people that are on drugs usually go somewhere else where there's not cops. Mm -hmm. So they get out of our town. Yeah. So it really cleans up the area. But, it's you know, you got your... Uh, you're hardcore Bible thumpers out there that just don't want it in and, and have fought it a little bit. I've taken, you know, even doing this project, what I think is really even crazy about doing this bar is that, and I don't want to make it all about the bar, but uh, is that there was a bar down below us before and they closed. They're supposed to be relocating or whatever, but no one really fought him as much as they fought us. It's me, my sister, and my mother that has this. And I really, it's sad to think because I'm so... I'm a feminist and I'm so pro woman, but the women in our area just really did not do not like other women. <laughs> and so it took me a while to break through that uh, and make it kind of welcoming to other people, other women. And well, I mean, is, is that something where you're, you're really seeing where your, your people's mindsets are changing mm -hmm. in, in that respect? I think it's empowering women. That's what you want to do. So the women Absolutely. haven't been empowered because they've been, you know, a little bit in the area is like women have this role and men have this role. And, and after, you know, when you've been married since you were 20 and you're, you didn't live a life like that you wanted to and experience things like you start to have those crises and like crisis very early. So if I, if we have other things and we show women, Hey, I can own a business. I can do this, like inspire other women to do things. And I think that you are changing the mindset there, you know? Yeah, isn't it funny how fear when, you know, I think, you know, that sort of a situation, there's a lot of, a lot of emotions that go into something like that because there's a lot of people that live like that, mm -hmm. that, that live, you know, in this, in this, it, it's, I, I thought it was supposed to be like this. So yeah. this and, and, and then for whatever reason, they're what they really want, they're, they weren't able to get. And then now they don't want that for anybody else. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. nobody else can kind of can, can, can yeah. do that because I never got to do that. And, yeah. And, and it's like, well, that's kind of, man, that's really something. Well, we were talking about it when you came to the bar. You were saying, I was saying, you know, the whole goal is that I inspire someone to want to beat my record or beat yeah. me. And that would be amazing. Like, I want someone to do something better than me. Like, and if they did, like, I can get cold chills just thinking about it. That is, that was the whole goal and the purpose of me doing what I'm doing. Because it just means that we're all building each other up and we're all going better. And so, like, that's what, you know, that's that's kind of what it's all about. When I did racing, you know, I started a female race team, and I had a different female racer every time in my race. And that was to get more women in the sport. And that was literally the goal of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, just to have someone that would come and beat me in a race. <laughs> like, yeah. it would be awesome. Like, and I, it sounds insane, but, like, you know, that's what, at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. And and really, honestly, in all the things that I've done in my life, because I was also, you know, I moved to New York. My father passed away in 2008, and I kind of went through this crisis, moved to New York, and ended up becoming the director of PR and marketing for two Fortune 500 companies. And and uh, that was great. I did uh, motorcycling, and then, um, but none of it seems as important as what I'm doing now. And then, you know, now I really actually do go to bed at night thinking that I'm making a difference in the instead of what I did before. So people always ask, like, why are you here in a small town? Like, what are you doing? Like, because I am so connected to it, and I feel like this is what my purpose is. Well, you know, it, it's, I think that's so wonderful. And the experience that you've had in, in marketing and PR, and this is something that I came to really a, a realization a couple of years ago, but, like, everything is marketing. Mm-hmm. Every single thing is marketing, and that's that's such a wonderful thing because yeah. it, it it's – it's attention mm-hmm. and and it's finding a way if you're doing it right to meet somebody's need that they're doing anyway mm-hmm. you know, it's not about selling somebody something it's right. about it's about really giving somebody it's about convenience really for somebody else yeah. I mean it, it, it truly is mm-hmm. and 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 then it's about storytelling it's about it's about yeah. creating you know I, I've you know, we're, I'm in the, you know, the hemp business that I'm in. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's so interesting, and, and this is the same thing. It doesn't matter if, if it's, if you're doing soap or if you're doing clothing. Mm-hmm. White labeling, there's only, a, there's only so many people that make shit right. in this world. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is about the story that's told behind mm-hmm. the stuff. You know, stuff that's in a bottle on a shelf, you know, there's so much of that same shit that's in just a different bottle. And, right. And, and... And then how much stuff, the bottle and the packaging, the cost of that stuff is so much higher than what's like in a product. Right. I mean, it's, it's just insane. But yeah. And then, but that shows you what we kind of value and what we've kind of put ourselves in. And, and I think it's so neat to be able to take those tools and, and create... Create something that really is making change with with everything else. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of psychology in, in that. How people react to things and, and without a doubt. Uh, I don't have a degree in marketing. I have a degree in psychology. You no, know, I, <laughs> I think that, that's I, that that's such, you know. I, whenever I hear somebody that's in because that, that I say that economics and psychology and photography and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, whenever I hear somebody that's you know, like marketing and psychology, I'm like that's that's the best combination. Yeah, like the best combination because you can take it anywhere. Um, you know, going and and something, and I remember, you know, we've been Facebook friends for a long time, and, and I remember when you moved back home mm-hmm. a couple years ago. I was actually, after I left the uh, your bar there, I called the kind of mutual friend Brandon Parrish. The, yeah. The race. I called Brandon, and we were mm-hmm. talking about stuff, and, and we were talking about, like, when you moved back home, and and the posts and stuff that you would make, it was such a stark contrast, because you could tell that you're like, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. What is this? And then, yeah. and then it's like, it's like all of a sudden you have this, it's like you realize, holy shit, this is something that I can do. And, right. and you can take all this notoriety and all this other shit that you've, that you've accumulated mm-hmm. and put it to work in such a different way. Yeah. I just think it's so cool. Yeah. Thank and you. It's really, really, really <laughs> neat to like, to see that. And I didn't really realize until we were talking about it. Yeah. And, and, uh, but but like it was really like it's really cool. Thank I mean, you. You, you. I mean, you almost went from kind of a dark place to oh, to no. really. You know, I don't know if it found you or you found it. You almost, yeah. you almost wonder how that goes sometimes. Or, well, I try happen. to put I try to put things out there on social media that's real because I feel like there was for a while there, especially when I made money off social media, and I just hated it because I felt like 
you know, I was never lying or anything, but I didn't only want to post the good stuff. I wanted to let people know that because it's a lot of pressure to keep up with people socially these days. I mean, it's the depression rate is even higher because of it. And, oh, gosh. and you know, I wanted to be just as real and open as, as possible. And yeah, when I moved back home, it was a hard time. It was winter. I was I had been in pain for six solid months with my knee. I was taking care of my grandmother with dementia, so I was sleeping four hours a night, and I was wow. in a horrible relationship. That's really hard. And yeah, and you know, and then I was like, everything in my life changed. My contract ended because I couldn't raise. I, you know, so, so many things. And, uh, you know, I definitely dealt with depression. I actually tried to commit suicide. And then, like, I came through that. Oh, wow. And I openly talked about those things. And I had a couple of people that were like, don't put that out there. People follow you for the good stuff. And I'm like, I don't I mean, care. People tell me that too. And it's and, like, no, I don't care. But, this, is, this is who I am. And if I'm not being who I am, right. I get into these bad places. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta share everything. Well, and think about that when someone sees, like, oh, she was there. I've been there. And look at what she's doing now. That's, I can do that. So, you know, so and it's so. I mean, holy cow. And it's just Especially somebody and you're like, you, you know, what you've, you know, because people's perception. You know, yeah. People see things and they make up this this narrative. Yeah. But, you know, to see somebody that's been, you know, I mean, you've you've had a lot of acclaim as a model and as, and as PR and as marketing and all this and all this sort of stuff. And it's like the perception of somebody with that sort of a life is not... Oh yeah, is not anything trouble. It's, but we're all the same. We all go through the same shit. We all have those same, you know. Right, but that people shit. don't think of the pressure that that adds on the person. You know, for a long time, because I even forgot about the modeling part of my life. But you know, modeling wise, people, you know, people thought that I was because I travel all over the world and be hanging out with different people and doing. You know, eating caviar on yachts. I went from you know eating pickled bologna on a cracker to caviar on yachts, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and they're like thinking it's great, but in your and they just have this perception of me like as if my life is perfect, and carrying that pressure of trying to be perfect, like it actually just adds to the weight of the, you know being sad, and and so it's just really hard to keep up with, and 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 then I just was like, well, I've just got to let people know that you know I'm still like that same old country girl, and I get sad and I. Get through a lot of things you know I, I had cancer I beat cancer I've done a lot in my life it's that uh, I am pretty proud of and and I try to just be open with and yeah it's just uh it's it's been just a wild ride overall to be honest and you know what changed it is you know it wasn't until June of last year it was actually the 10th anniversary of my dad's death and it's really always really a hard day and I always go on a long ride and and I, I went to his old garage and I went in there and nothing had been touched in 10 years. His tools were still out. Oh, wow. My family had used it as a storage unit and like trees were growing out of the gutters, you know. And I was sitting there, I was sad. I was like, well, I'm just gonna clean it up so that I can work on my bikes. And I started cleaning it and I don't ever do anything like half-ass, right? I'm like, oh, let me just tear down the wall. Let me just rip up the floor. <laughs> and, like, and I roll up in the garage door and all of a sudden all these people started stopping in, my dad's old friends, and they're looking around like, wow, I haven't been here in 10 years. Like, and they start telling me stories about my dad and we're sitting outside and we're having a beer and we're laughing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make it a free community garage. Like, let's just open it up to everybody. And when I started doing that, then everyone in the community, I always get really emotional talking about this, started coming in. And that is where, you know, I'd been gone for 18 years and I had friends in the area, but I really met and re-met all those people last summer at that garage. I mean, every day there'd be like 50 people out there helping me. We'd be building bonfires at night, cooking hot dogs, working, drinking beers, laughing, awesome. listening to music, picking guitars, like every night. And it, it just was amazing. And, and like, I love my community. Like I love my people so much. And it really started from that garage. And that is the thing that broke me from depression. It was forcing myself to do something when it's even when it's really hard to get out of bed and then doing something for other people and then getting the reward of seeing other people come together and like that like I don't think I could ever be sad as sad as it was like that again because of that yeah that's, that's you know that that is I think that's how that's how it's supposed to be and that's that's so cool to hear you know when you get into stuff like that it, it's so easy to keep isolating and to mm -hmm. keep drawing in mm -hmm. and then to see people come out and you know that's so cool that's so cool yeah uh you know yeah. that's you know we're we're all we're not meant to do anything by ourselves and no. and people want to help people yeah. want to be involved and and uh 
I think that's it. So what, what's the brother your brother called Smiley's? Smiley. So my dad's nickname was Smiley. And so it's called Smiley's. We bought, we found, got his old motorcycle. We bought it back and brought it there. And then we had a, is his 67th birthday party there last year. And it, 500 people showed oh, up and it came so cool. huge. Actually, I got this crazy citation. That's the thing, you know, all these things I've done all over the world. And I've had the hardest time doing it in my community. Like I got the local government that tried to give me a citation. And I fought them for four months in court and won. Well, they charged me with operating without a business, but I still kept it not a business yet. Everything was still residential. I hadn't oh. transferred it over. I really knew my loopholes a lot. And, uh, and uh, you know, because there were so many people there. And uh, it's really sad that they focused on that instead of a uh, right, let's, yeah. meth-infested motel that's two doors down. But, you know, there's uh, the... But anyway, I mean, when I... But I was glad that they did because I fought it publicly and won. And that also showed... I, that was like... I was fighting for, like, the little people. Yeah. Like, stop pushing around these little businesses, these, you know, people, and, and making it hard for us to do something here. And, and so even in fighting that court battle, like... I'm hoping that I inspired other people to do stuff too and to fight the gu- like fight against that. You, you know? know, you know, it's always people that you know. We, we always we, a lot of times we forget when we see like a government or we see a business or we see police or we see whatever. You think that it's not just a person, but right. it's, it's a person and people. One, I don't know if, like, you know, I, I don't mean to keep going back to, like, like hip and stuff, but, like, a couple, mm-hmm. about a month ago, there were two grandmas that, there's a hip bill that was passed at the beginning of the year that yeah. made hemp legal, you know, everywhere in the country. Yeah. And, and there were two grandmas that were, that were in airports on the same day, opposite ends of the country, uh, they were arrested for having a CBD in their, in their back. Wow. And, and it's just so interesting because, and, because people, I don't know if you know anybody like this, but people mm. don't read memos. People <laughs> don't watch, you know, the news. People oh, don't yeah. do stuff, and people don't know. And yeah. and you can have these people that, for some reason, they're there because that's a personal hand. There was a personal thing that somebody didn't like something, mm-hmm. and they just wanted to go and and do something. And mm-hmm. and that sounds silly, you know. And and it is, but but you can stand up to that. You can you can counter that because you know people in office and people with authority they are wrong too sometimes you Absolutely. Know? and you know yeah. what if they're if and, it, and it's unkind if you don't tell them right you know, it's it's like it, like if i have a friend if i'm walking around with a booger in my nose and my friend is looking at me and talking mm-hmm. to me for 20 minutes that's, <laughs> that's unkind that's not nice to me you right. know i want to know that and and i'm gonna tell that too and, and so i think it's being kind to everyone you yeah know? you can't get better if you don't know that yeah. you're doing something wrong. You yeah, know? you're just doing a disservice to the rest of right. the people. Right. So, yeah. so I, I think, you know, that's something that I think a lot of us, I really, I think a lot of us need to think about more, you know, and instead of worrying that we're going to, you know, offend somebody, mm-hmm. we worry that you're going to let somebody keep being an idiot. Right. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <worse>. Exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, and not let natural selection take them over. Take over. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> You know, Pete, there's a there's a book that I love that's uh, it's called The Four Agreements. I don't know if you're. I've read The reader. Four Agreements. Four yeah. Agreements, such a fantastic book, and and uh, the he talks about he he says in there humans are the only animal species anywhere that that a mistake is something that is that is relived thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of times. You know, any other animal they make a mistake, they're dead. Yeah. You know, they, they don't they don't live to or they don't worry about it again. You know. Right. You know. Rhinos that go and fight, you know, or something. They they go and they do their thing, and then they they go away, and yeah. they, and they're 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 over it, you know. Right. Uh, but but we especially like when you get into relationships and stuff, we remind everybody of shit. We we relive yeah. stuff, and we it's so silly and such a disservice to ourselves. It is. That's why I like the Buddhist way of thinking. I'm not a Buddhist, but I definitely appreciate it. And after being in Thailand, I appreciate it even more. You know, you can't control the past and you can't you can't change the past you cannot control the future the mm-hmm. only thing you have is exactly this nanosecond mm-hmm. this moment right now that is it if you just focus on being in this moment then <clears throat> life is so much easier to live mm-hmm. i don't know why i'm hitting puberty all of a sudden <laughs> allergies <clears throat> but life is so much easier to live you know if it you're is. just that's it 
I mean, think of how heavy it is to carry around regret and weight and guilt. Guilt is the worst emotion of it all. Basically, from from guilt, you know, goes anger and sadness and and everything. And and so, yeah. And anyhow, I think we should all. Uh, I'm a very big promoter of uh, legalization of marijuana. I think we all should just roll a joint and have a smile and yeah, be happy. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there, there, there's there's so much truth in, in all that. I, I heard somebody. Uh, I heard a quote a long time ago. Um, anxiety is living in the future, mm-hmm. and and depression is living in the past. Oh wow, that's and, true. And and it's I don't mean to oversimplify either of those things because I mean those things can be very crippling when you're in them. But but I mean if you break it down, it's like mm-hmm. you know my I have a six year old daughter and, and she she comes to me with all of these what if questions all the time and mm-hmm. and 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 I always try to tell her don't worry about something that hasn't happened yet. Right. And and it's you know there's plenty of time to worry about something while you're going through. Right. You know, yeah. but, um, you know, we can, you know, we can what if ourselves to death and, and we can, uh, you're right. We can live in a lot of moments that really don't yeah. have any effect on anything and take you away from, you know, that's really that, that's that living in the present thing. It's just not, yeah. it's just not worrying about what's going to happen next and, right. and, and not, you know, killing yourself over what, what you did yesterday because yeah. you ain't going to do anything. Well, two things that helped, like, me growing up, my grandma said to me once, like, worrying is, like, sitting in a rocking chair and going back and forth and expecting to go somewhere. You don't. Mm-hmm. You're just going back and forth in the spot. And then another one was when I was in New York, I was at dinner with the CEO of Warner Brothers, and this is a huge person, very well-respected, accomplished in his life, and sitting there, and I was, and he was just very personal and, like, talking, and I was kind of, like, going through a moment of a relationship, and I was like, you know, I feel bad. I don't, we, we have all this stuff together. So, you know, we've been together for a long time, and I was like, I just don't know what to do. He said, you know what? I went through a divorce one time, and most people would say, you know, don't. He said, but I just realized it's just stuff. I don't care if she gets it or whatever. I mean, it's just things. Like, they, I don't want it to ever own me. And this is a man that probably had a lot to lose, you know, in a divorce. Yeah. But, he, but his simplicity, his simple thought to it, and the way that he thought that he would build it back up mm-hmm. was great and inspiring. And then another friend of mine, Roland Sands, the bike oh, owner, yeah, yeah. he said to me years ago, he said, you know what? Things have always worked out and they just, I just always know that they'll work out. And it is true. They, if they just will always somehow work out. Mm-hmm. We just get so focused on right now. Like, how is this ever going to like we work ourselves and like we catastrophize. We're like, oh my God, this is never mm-hmm. going to get straight. It's never going to but eventually it does. We always look back on our path, on our life and we're like, God, I made it through that. I remember like, that was stupid. Yeah. I didn't even think I was going to make it through it. And that's so stupid now. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Or, or, or you're, you know, I look back at, at you know, I look back and, and, uh, and I'm grateful for all of the, the crap that I've had to go through. I mean, I really, really am. Yeah. You know, and, and there's so much perspective in that, that, uh, you know, it is all gonna be okay. It's all gonna yeah. be okay. I I, I was uh, I was thinking about this the other day, and and uh, I'm I'm grateful to have some some awesome people that that, that work with me. And, and one of the one of my I always say that I'm a firefighter. When people mm-hmm. like like ask what do you do, and, yeah. and and a lot of times it's putting out other people's fires. But uh-huh. a big part of that is is really reassuring people that everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, you know, it's all gonna be okay. <laughs> You know, if, if, you know, if something doesn't get done, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah it's good. That's you know? funny. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, that, there's a lot of, uh, a guy that I love listening to, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Uh, talks a lot about business and about emotional intelligence and, and some of the, some people's roles in anything is maybe not for production or not for anything direct, but it's to help somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's to help somebody else make sure that their head is right. Right. And, and, you know, Everything's in your head. We all experience yeah. life in the same place. It's yeah. all it's all right in our head. Oh yeah. You know, it's not it's not over anywhere else. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's pretty simple. Yeah. It really, really is. Absolutely. Uh, you're you put out people's fires and I light fires. That's what I always say. Not to start like conflict, but I like I wanna set oh, a fire under your ass. You gotta get up, move, like do stuff. Like <laughs> Well, you know like, when we were doing when we were doing brand we've got a, a, a our website, yes, Louisville is is we try to share stories about people who are doing stuff like that. Yeah. So one of our uh, one of our our like core values is, is or, or you know standards or whatever is is we we are insightful and we spelled it like inciting a riot mm-hmm. like because that's what that's what we we, yeah. we want you know you spark stuff by telling you know stories and, yeah. and 
you know, you go back to like Native American stuff, and and you know, stuff is meant to be shared. Experiences are meant to be shared. And, yeah. And and how much stuff, you know, what is has been shared. You know, that's that's what's so cool about the internet now is yeah. that anybody, everybody can share their their right. world and. Everybody's world is so interesting, you know. Everybody's yeah. stuff is just so fantastically fascinating because yeah. you, you can't make this shit up. Some of it, though, Christopher Hitchens once said, Everyone has a book in them, sometimes that's where it should stay. Like, oh, you know, well, like, no, I, that's absolutely <laughs> true. I mean, sometimes you know, sometimes those stories shouldn't have been told, but you know what. <laughs> Sometimes you get hooked and you binge watch on them too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, buildings perish, civilizations, you know, buildings crumble, civilizations perish, but really what's left behind is our words and our stories. And that's what, like, that's, you know, that's all the natives had back in the day. And, and like, that's, we've built our idea of what they, who they were and how they lived and how we became who we are from those. And, you know, and that's kind of, I think, what's going to eventually happen again, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you, history is, is everything cyclical, everything comes mm-hmm. around. If you, that's, you know, if you don't, if you don't know what happened before, you're going to probably do it again. Yeah. You know, so, so where, where can everybody find you like online on, on your socials? What's and, and where can people come to your bar and check this? Well, you got to come to my bar. Well, yeah. First of all, it's in cave city next to mammoth cave, longest cave in the world. Smallest town in America. That's what I always say. Population yeah. never changes. 2,500. When one woman gets pregnant, another man leaves town. <laughs> you know, and, and Man Cave is is an awesome. I mean, it, it really is an amazing thing to, to go and see. I mean, I yeah. Uh, if you know, for people that haven't, you know, I know Louisville. You know, people don't get out of the city of Louisville. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's really a cool thing to go. And it's yes. only like an hour away. It's it's, it's it really is. really. I mean, and your place is like right on Main Street. I mean, right on Main Street, right off the exit, like literally like less than a mile off the I sixty five. Yeah. What's cool about Mammoth Cave is, and I'll just brief you on history really fast because uh, we have a long history with the cave uh you know it's nearly 485 discovered miles long longest cave in the world second one's in germany it's 163 the second and the third together still isn't as long as mammoth cave oh, wow. and my and you know back in the day my family was really part of the reason why mammoth cave became a national park and put the area on the map so my great great uncle was floyd collins who believed that the cave systems were connected in the area. He discovered Crystal Onyx Cave, which was down the way, three miles. Is that miles. Martha Lane Collins relative there? I don't know. Martha, Martha Lane, I think she's like a governor or something like that. I don't know, actually. Yeah, Maybe I don't not. Know. I don't I don't know if they're related or not. Um, anyway. But so we, so, you know, and in discovering another cave, Sand Cave, which is before the entrance of Mammoth Cave, and... In January 1925, he was trapped for 17 days and died. It was the second largest story between the world wow. wars. Lindbergh flew the news. Mm-hmm. Skeets Miller, who covered it for the Courier Journal, won a Pulitzer Prize and changed journalism forever. Because he was so small, he could crawl down and talk to my Uncle Floyd, so it became interactive journalism. Wow. And, uh, yeah, the National Guard was flown in to control the crowds. There was a moment of silence at Congress for it. Uh, there's uh, Ace in a Hole with Kurt Douglas' movie about it. There's uh, like nine or ten books written on it. Um, Billy Bob Thornton bought the rights to one of the books to produce, star, and direct a movie about my uncle's life. What's even more crazy is that so when they finally reached the body, the 25-foot shaft had collapsed, and then they couldn't exhume. He was dead. They couldn't exhume the body. The family, my family, didn't have enough money. And uh, his brother Homer toured in vaudevilles across the country, raised enough money, four months later exhumed the body. Wow. And they took pictures because they believed it was publicity stunt. There's a ton of press online. And uh, so then they buried him above the ground. And then his dad sold the property to a cave uh, entrepreneur, cave owner. And that guy took, dug up the body, put it in a glass coffin, put it in the cave, and sold tickets to see his body. Well, then someone stole the body of Floyd. What? And then they found the body like, and reburied him back in the cave with chains. And then in the 80s, my family took him out and buried him in our family cemetery, which is in the National Park. So he's been buried four times. Wow. And, yeah, just, uh, you know, just a lot of really crazy circumstances behind the family and, the, like, the National Guard that was flown, the guy that was came in to control the crowds, like, he went on this murder spree, all these like weird things that happen. But we, we have such a strong connection with the cave system. I always say we're like the Kennedys of the cave. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the reasons too why I want to save this area is because we're so well invested in it. And sure. two it's what a great story. Freaking I mean, beautiful there. Well <laughs> oh, it, it, it is, you know, there's so many areas in Kentucky that are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And uh and 
you know, it's small town stuff is just so cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's so neat. And, and uh, so what's your, what's your website? Oh, yeah. My website is Letitia Klein, L-E-T-I-C-I-A-C-L-I-N-E dot com. Oh, you're, 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 my, like, my hand yeah. gestures, <laughs> like, like anyone can see me right now. Yeah. And then everything else social is my name, Letitia Klein. Letitia Klein on Instagram, Letitia Klein on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Well, what's your favorite, what's your favorite you know social platform? Where, where are you most active on? I used to be really heavy on Instagram, and then I got to where I needed to take a social break so I don't post as much, and I do quite a bit on Facebook at the moment, um, but, you know, I, I'm i trying to get back on the Instagram thing. I mean, I love it. I, I, I felt the pressure. This, this is the thing. Answer. It's the pressure. I couldn't answer everyone, especially when I was on my bike for 40,000 miles a year. Like, I couldn't respond to everyone, so every time I logged on, I felt guilty. Like, they thought I was rude that I wasn't responding. Right. It was just because I didn't have the time, and, and so, like, that pressure kind of got heavy, and so I was like, you know, I'm just going to take a break from posting so that way I can catch up on actually responding to people and being friends with people in real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, but, yeah, just check it out regardless. I mean, I'm act- I'm, I'm, I dabble in all of them, mm-hmm. and... I'm getting back into them now that like everything's starting to settle down. And then uh, what, what's the what's the uh, uh, social for the for the bar? It's just the Dive Cave City, and that's on Facebook only. And you know we're a dive bar, so we're not supposed to have. Oh no, we have an Instagram. I forgot. Well, <laughs> it's yeah. the Dive Cave City, but we don't have a we don't have a website. You know, cool. everything is literally our Facebook page is full of. Do you have a phone number? Yeah, yeah, it's two seven zero seven seven three zero zero eight seven. Okay. But uh, you, if you check out the Facebook page, we do different posts daily. It's anything from our schedule, but like from funny memes to jokes to drink recipes, how to order at a bar because there's a lot of people. I mean, you gotta think about it. Seventy five years. A lot of people that walk in our bars first time they've ever been in the bar. Right. And so we're training right. them how to be at a bar, how to order, how to be comfortable, how to address a bartender, like how to like what drinks that's, are good that's really interesting. yeah I how know. to parallel park because we have parallel parking i put a video on how to parallel park one day because let me tell because you if why you... would anybody else, why would you have gone to the little downtown area <laughs> right right so Man, we're that's... just training people to do all kinds of things you know what you don't know what you don't know yeah no. and the, that, that's that's really fun and you can have fun with it you can have a lot of fun with that yeah that's really cool yeah well cool well i i, I anybody that's going down 65 get off at uh, at the mammoth cave exit and then stop into the dive see see letitia and, yeah uh, you're you're there you know probably every day yeah, every day <laughs> if i'm not there my sister shannon is and my mom we're three blondes we actually have a beer that we had brewed it's called the three blondes and so you can come have our beer and have a chat come have a beer have a chat <laughs> yeah the, the, this is awesome and uh and ch- check her out and uh and and you'll be seeing her. What's your next move? What are you going to do next? What's your big, big... I said mayor. I'm going to be running the town. Right. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've got a couple books of me that I've been working on for a while. So hopefully those will be done. And, nice. And then, uh, and then I'm going to retire and like, you can just only reach me by pigeon or horseback. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got, you know, you, somebody knows somebody that can come down and, and, and find right. you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. This has been an awesome chat. I think uh, there, there's a lot of great stuff that I think people can can, can pull from this. It's, it's neat seeing uh, somebody that that gets into business and wants to wants to see other people go. I mean, yeah. that's that's the best thing. That's the best thing is to get get other people to do stuff. You know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got such a great platform and such a great opportunity. I think down in Cape City, Cape City's lucky to have you down there. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Have a great day.